Hello and welcome to my Icon Corner. Today I have a special guest. We are interviewing Shane Swenson, an Orthodox iconographer, and he is uh, fairly well known. Uh, it uh, in this uh, he has been called by one regional iconographer a miracle for this uh, gift, this talent that he has for painting icons. So. Uh, that is all I really need to say. Let me bring him into the channel here. Welcome, Shane. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Okay. Um, so uh, for those who don't know, this uh, icon that I have, let me move my, this icon over here, Prophet Daniel, was painted by Shane, actually. So that's an example of his work. I actually wanted to start there. I wanted to ask about that um, icon. Uh, so do you remember like all the icons that you paint? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe. Um, yeah, I do. It's, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't forget them. <laughs> but like, um, how many would you say you've painted over the years? Uh, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Um, let me think. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't tell you like an exact number cause I paint, you know, I paint every day. So, um, but I definitely, I would, I don't think I'd ever see an icon that I painted and not know that I painted it, I guess mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. You know what I mean? So sometimes I'll see something and, and not really remember the details as much cause it's been a couple of years, but, um, yeah, I always, I always know, I think every icon painter artist in general knows, knows their work when they see it, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's probably the, the most succinct way I could, I could answer that. Well, I wanted, what I wanted to ask is about this, like, um, what is, you know, I want to know more about, I didn't, I never really got to talk to you about this cause I commissioned it and then it showed up in the mail. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I like, I don't even know what style this is. I'm, like, could you tell me more about this icon that I have? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's based on a prototype that is in, I'm so bad with the names of these Athenite churches, but um, I believe it's a, uh, it's a, it's what you would call a Macedonian, loosely a Macedonian style. The, the style of iconography I paint is kind of all over the place. I don't have like a, uh, you know, I don't have like a specific school or period or like, um, I don't really identify with like a specific uh ethnic tradition you know i'm a convert uh and I, I you know when somebody asks me like oh what jurisdiction are you I, I don't really give an answer because i've 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 gone to antiochian churches i was baptized in an antiochian church uh i go to an oca parish a greek church a moscow patriarchate church um so yeah i mean I, I don't really have like a you know i'm not like russian orthodox or greek orthodox i just consider myself you know I'm an American that's an Orthodox Christian. So regarding iconography, um, yeah, I, I, that, that specific icon that I painted for you, I believe several years ago, but I believe um, I based it on a prototype of a wall fresco of the prophet Daniel. It's actually a pretty common's not the right way to put it because that that sort of devalue you know in our in our culture the term common uh it's it, it, it sort of it sort of makes it it sort of devalues it um in, in our culture so i don't mean it in that way i just mean it's uh it's it's a very 
well done prototype. It's a, a very well done icon of the private Daniel, probably my favorite. So that's why I referenced it. But um, yeah, it's in, like I said earlier, I can't remember the name of the church, but it's in an Athenite. It's a fresco in an Athenite church, I believe in the style. I believe it was painted by uh, Manuel Pancelanos, who's probably the, um, I believe it was Pancelanos. Um, he's probably like the for lack of a better term, he's probably like the Da Vinci uh, of iconography from that period. Um, there's period? a lot of. What the, period is that? Uh, I get, it would be, oh, what's the year? I think it was tw uh, somebody watching this is going to go, that's not right. I think it was like tw 12, the 1200s, 1260, something like that. Um, yeah, Pancelanos, there's so in each culture, or I guess each um, geographic region where orthodoxy uh, is, you have these really prolific icon painters who sort of define the the school or the style, uh, like Rub you know, uh, Saint Andre Rublev. You know, there's these people that stand out, and Manuel Pancelanos is definitely uh, one of those one of those icon painters. So. Um, there's not actually there's not a lot of like really good traditional uh, prototypes for the prophet Daniel icon. Um, you surprisingly there's not really a ton of any like Old Testament prophets. There's some, obviously, but there's not a wealth of them like we have for the apostles or something like that. So generally, um, when you go into a church and you see the wall paintings, generally we don't do like traditional real fresco here uh in the west uh for no other reason than the building supplies we use don't really facilitate that we don't really plaster walls uh which is why generally why when you go into a church in america or even greece you see painting done in acrylic on canvas that's then think of it like wallpaper essentially it's then affixed to the wall uh and fresco true fresco it's done occasionally um some people do it but uh, part of the reason you don't see that in the States is because we use drywall and you can't really, you know, the nature of drywall, it doesn't really last forever like fresco does. So um, what, is, what is the definition of fresco? Oh, man. Um, well, fresco is a it's like a um, how do I explain this without using art jargon? It's just it, it's not really fresco isn't something that's like uniquely orthodox. It's just a it's a a technique to decorate a wall basically. And what have, I'm not gonna go into the science or whatever, partly because I don't know all the science behind it, but generally speaking, um, when like, let, for example, there's a, a St. Seraphim Cathedral in um, Santa Rosa, California. Father Patrick is the iconographer down there. I, I met him one, hung out with him one time. We're not like friends or anything, but um, I got to see what they were doing down there a couple years back when I went there without a tree farm. And, um, how they do it is I believe they have, they have a, a couple guys that he works with and it's, it's really labor intensive. Um, you have to have someone go in ahead of time and put the plaster up on the wall uh, before you get in there. Cause it needs to like set up, think of it like, like a cement, sort of like a, a cement. So the wall needs to be not quite dry, but not like wet. Like you just put it on there. Uh, and you have a certain amount of time to paint whatever you're going to paint on the wall. Oh before it dries and the idea is is that um the pigment and the carrier 
like the paint, basically the liquid part, I think I'm pretty sure it's egg tempera. Um, then as if you, if you do it correctly, like if this is the wall and this is the paint on the wall, as it, as it dries, the pigment and the, um, the binder, the liquid that the paint is carried in kind of fuses within the wall, you know, and it becomes part of the stone essentially. So, um, there's another paint technology called silicate, which is used a lot in Russia. Um, and I believe the technology for that came about in Germany in like the early 20th century, late 19th century, something like that. But anyway, um, that's predominantly what they use in Russia, I believe, from what I know. You know, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be some like, you know, uh, art materials expert or anything. This is just all my, from my own experience and from what I know from the research I did, I've done and the people I know. <clears throat> uh, silicate paint is what is generally used in Russia um and it's it's functionally the same thing as fresco it's just not as not quite as uh, annoying to do it's not quite as um labor intensive they still do real fresco all over the world like i said there's a church in california uh saint Seraphim cathedral where they're doing their entire church in real fresco uh but sometimes fresco is used loosely to talk about the murals or the paintings that are on the walls inside of an Orthodox church. When you go in there, it's just the technique that we use now, the more modern technique is to use um, acrylic paint. Sometimes, I mean, I, have, I actually have a book by um, uh, this iconographer from England named Aiden Hart, who's just a really, really great iconographer. So wealth of knowledge. Um, he's a sweet guy too. Um, Anyway, in his book, he talks about some people using egg tempera on canvas and placing it on the wall, which I've never heard of. Uh, but most of the time it's acrylic and everything that I've been taught in that realm um, from my my friend he's a Serbian iconographer, um, sort of my I guess you could say my my mentor teacher as far as that goes Um it's all been done in acrylic essentially. So acrylic gets a bad rap, but um, yeah, it's mostly done in acrylic in the West, partly just because of the building supplies we use, um, you know, so. I think that we actually at my parish, my local parish here, I think that's the, the acrylic on canvas. I think that's the, what they used. We have a, an entire clear story uh, that's painted in the back and then um, the East and West walls are also have uh, icon iconography on them. So this is this is great. I'm learning. This is so informative. So I still have question, more questions about my icon. So this I want to know, like, what was your like, did you choose that uh, with the he's holding the, the, the stone that the uh, that became the great mountain in his hand? Um, that's it, uh, that's not my creation. That's, that's all not yours. Part, no, that's all part of the um, in fact, when we're all done here, I can send you the the. I mean, the, the, the drawing and the way I painted it is my approach at the time okay. anyway, but the prototype. So usually what happens in, um, with Orthodox iconography, you have sort of two different, you have two different, well, let me, let me answer your first question before I spurred out and start talking about, you know, That's iconography. Um, yeah, that, that design motif, uh, that you were just talking about in your icon, um, that's not something unique to me that I came up okay. with at all that is that's in the original fresco that how that how that is that that layout and all the subject matter um and so i used that prototype or that 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 icon as reference as a guide i guess you could say 
to design, to draw and paint yours. Um, and that is a super common, that's just how we do it in the Orthodox Church. Um, we don't, it's kind of hard to explain, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, we, it's not just like everything in Orthodoxy, it's sort of a middle way. Um, it's not necessarily about just rote copying all these icons that came before us, but you don't want to approach it you know, like I'm some artiste, you know, like I'm going to create my own way. Like that's not the way we do it. Um, or, or the way I don't want to say we, like I represent, I don't represent anybody but myself. Um, the way that, that well, you, you represent the church as I do. And I think all Orthodox Christians represent the church. Well, we do, but I don't, I don't want to speak in a way like, okay. I'm, okay. like I'm an authority in any capacity just cause I don't, I, right. I don't view myself as that by any means. Um, but yeah, basically there's two different schools of thought, especially right now. Um, you have some iconographers who, they just want to really stick to these icons that came before us and what you would consider traditional icons form, the traditional forms that we have, like you have all these different you know, uh, icons of the Theotokos and they all have a different story, some are miraculous, uh, all I think are miraculous in, in most instances, but um, they all have a different sort of design motif or name. You have, you know, um, you know, the Virgin of uh, uh, Vladimir, you know what I mean? Um, you have all these different icons. And so there, there are some people who believe that we're not supposed to depart from not only what the, the subject matter that's contained within the icon and how it's laid out, but also the style, meaning the aesthetic like how things are drawn and the look and the colors used um you, you know it we're essentially just supposed to copy these icons and pass these along is because that's the orthodox iconographic tradition okay that's one you know how who are we to change that basically is is the is the school of thought then you have this other school of thought that rejects that not fully not totally but um, approaches it more, I think, I, I tend to sort of be in the middle here and I tend to lean towards what I'm about to tell you. Um, there is a school of thought, which is, is pretty common in Russia. Again, most of my experiences with Serbs and Russians, so I'm just gonna use that as my, as my jump off point. But um, there's a lot of room for creativity within Orthodox iconography. Um, and just like, for example, um, I used this analogy in a, I just did a live or something like this, a live stream like this recently, but I use this analogy. It's not a perfect analogy, but I, I'm going to use it anyway. Let's say you go to a Russian church across town and then you go to a Serb church or whatever. You go to two different Orthodox churches and you know, you go into one one Sunday and the priest is chanting the liturgy. Okay. The next Sunday you go to the other church and the priest is chanting the liturgy. If they're canonically ordained priests in good standing that are doing what most priests do, they're chanting the liturgy. They're chanting the same words. It might be in a different language, maybe, but um, generally the, the words are the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom uh, or, you know, the liturgy of St. Basil, usually those two. Um, 
But the difference is, is that church A, you're going to hear something different than you do at church B, right? You know, because they're two different people. There's two mm -hmm. different priests chanting this liturgy. It's the same liturgy, but each of them uh, approaches it a little bit differently. Now, they're not intentionally, neither of these priests, I've never met a priest that's done this. Neither of these priests are approaching their job as a priest saying this liturgy chanting this liturgy they're not approaching it like man today i'm just gonna i'm gonna put on the performance of a lifetime and none of them would do that i don't i mean maybe some but i've literally never met a priest who approaches that the, in that way um but it sounds different and there's a beauty even if it's chanted not in this right key even there's a beauty there you know it's some you can't really put put it into words at least for me uh, in the in the differences in how each of these priests chanted. So how that applies to iconography is um, basically there's room for individuality and creativity, but you don't approach it with that in mind. Does that make sense? It happens on its own because God has made each one of us individuals. And even though we all, you know, we all reflect the image of God, but we all have our own individuality um, that that comes through regardless of what you know whether or not we are putting that forward now the error comes in when you decide i'm going to that's what i'm going to focus on not the tradition of iconography does that make sense so if the priest sure. what if the priest w went into the liturgy like today i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna chant this liturgy and it's just gonna be the most beautiful liturgy ever ever and everyone's just gonna think i'm a great singer you know maybe maybe he might be a great singer. And if he goes in thinking that he might chant a beautiful liturgy, but before God, like that's, you know, he's, he's not really in a good place. And it's the same thing with iconography. Like you don't, there's room for creativity and what I would call artistic innovation. But when that supersedes keeping it within the boundaries of the tradition, um, the canonical tradition uh, then we have a problem and that's when people depart and they start doing crazy things that uh, I would consider wrong or incorrect. Um, the people who are in the first camp I talked about who just want to reproduce these old icons, these old Cretan icons or Russian icons or whatever, um, they would definitely disagree with this. But most of the people I know who are in the camp that I would consider myself in, which is more open to development of the aesthetic, uh, would also consider that um, to be a grave error. And so just like everything in orthodoxy, man, it, you have to, I don't want to say you're, it's not really, razor's edge isn't the right way to put it because it's not, but you want to sort of maintain things um, right down the middle, if that makes sense. Okay, so good. Now I know all about my uh, personal icon of my, Patron saint. Now, let's see. Um, the next question I have, actually, is so, uh, you know, it's, it's fairly well known that you're a spiritual son of Abbot Trifon, as am I. Mm -hmm. So um, that makes us uh, related spiritually. We, we are mm -hmm. brother. We're brothers. Uh, we, have, we share uh, spiritual DNA. Uh, I'm curious how about the story, how that came about, um, how you, how you got to be, uh, into that position and that relationship. 
Yeah. So uh, let me think. I, I forget the year. It was a while ago. I think it was, I, I don't even think I was a, uh, I was an inquirer. I think I was just loosely an inquirer at the time. Um, and I was Roman Catholic and um, I had somehow, I even forget how I even became friends with this guy, but there's this, there's this guy you, you met, you know, you remember Jason, don't you from Canada? He's yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jason, Jason Lisk. Yeah. 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 I met him uh, somehow, you know, on Facebook or online somewhere. He has no online presence anymore, which is crazy. But um, uh, he was a writer. He was super into writing at the time. And I'd read something on his like personal blog or something. And I encountered him somewhere online and um, we started chatting and then uh, just kind of became casual acquaintances online and he shared an article he wrote for death of the world with me. And that's sort of that. when I, that's when I discovered all that and was like, Oh, okay. And um, yeah, that, that, that's when I, that's when I discovered all that stuff. And then uh, after a while he was like, well, Hey, why don't you, I'm going to be over at the monastery at this time. Why don't you come over and, you know, meet Abbot Trifon. And I'd, I'd known about Abbot Trifon. I wasn't, um, let's say I wasn't like a, fan is the wrong word he does have fans but uh i wasn't uh like plugged in as much to like his podcast at that time or his blog or anything but i definitely knew who he was and um i think i had like uh you know a couple years before that i think i may have emailed him or something like that but anyway um yeah and so i went over and uh met him you know through jason and yeah, we immediately became good friends, you know, just one of those things that uh, when you meet someone and you click and um, yeah, he, he, he's been a really interest. It's been, a re I've had a really interesting relationship with him because he's been very um, persistent with me as far as the church goes. Um, I don't make it any secret, you know, ever since I came into the church, um, you know, if you're if you're in the church for any period of time, you will encounter the reality of living as an Orthodox Christian if you're doing it right. And you will encounter good clergy and you will, you will encounter bad clergy and bad hierarchs and good hierarchs. That's just the name of the game. And um, yeah, me and my family went through some pretty gnarly uh, experiences. Uh, that's all I'll really say. And uh Abbot Trifon specifically um, suffered, personally suffered for me and my family. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, totally uh, unwarranted, in, in my opinion, and uh, anyone that really looks at the situation. But he, he willfully did that. Um, and so, yeah, he's always sort of been, I mean, it's, it's more than just like a he's my confessor, you know, guy that I text or whatever, when I'm having problems. Um, he's, he's quite literally like my, my dad, we have that relationship. A lot of the, uh, some of the superficiality that you would have maybe with your parish priest, if you go to like a large parish or whatever, that's not there at all. Like I know him really well. I know all those monks really well. And I'm not, I'm not like bragging, like, you know, name dropping or anything. I'm just saying like, that's how our, our relationship is. And it's, it's a huge blessing because, um, <clears throat> you know, there's times that I, I need someone to check up on me 
like that. And he's very, well, you know this, he's really, really good at checking up on you. <laughs> he's really good at, you know what I mean? Like, hey, how are you? Sending you a message right when you need it. Or, um, you know, maybe when you don't want him to be messaging you, uh, he'll keep doing it. You know what I mean? Maybe at the time you're kind of annoyed, but afterward it's always like, man, I'm really glad he did that. So mm -hmm. that's how I met him. And then our our friendship and relationship just sort of grew and blossomed from there. So, yeah, I feel it's a, it's a blessing uh, to have that relationship with him. I also feel it's a, uh, a responsibility. It's like sort of, uh, sort of in the way of the more you've been given, the more will be asked of you. That's, yeah. That's how I kind of look at it. Okay. Uh, third question here. Let's see. So you have a, uh, you have a YouTube channel and you started you that's been up for a while, but right. You've had that for. No, I've, or, I've only, no, I've only really started putting videos up there the last couple of weeks. Actually. I've oh, had okay. the account for like a couple of years, but I never, right. right. That's, what, that's so, what I meant. Yeah. So you've recently uh, started posting these uh, tutorials. I think this is actually a good idea. This is a, this will be a great resource. Um, for your channel, this is uh, video tutorials on how to do iconography. Is that the idea for the channel? Yeah, it's, it's, um, I mean, my real goal isn't necessarily to like teach people every step of how to paint an icon. It's mostly to, um, dispel some of the, oh, how do I put it? It's just sort of, uh, well, it's just a glimpse on how I do things. Um, one of the misconceptions I had when I first started painting iconography is that there's a very strict systematic way to paint an icon. And if you don't do it that way, you're doing it incorrectly. You know, I mean, there, there is that, again, there is that school of thought. Uh, I get emails and messages on social media literally every day from people unhappy with something I'm doing. Um, hmm. you know, uh, but, um, or correcting me somehow for something or whatever. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, that is one approach. There are schools in Russia and Greece, and that's totally cool. If I could, you know, uproot myself for a year and go to Serbia or Russia or Greece and to traditionally study over there, I mean, I, I would have done it 10 years ago, you know, but unfortunately I, that's just not something my life can facilitate. So my main goal with uh, doing this YouTube channel is to um, dispel some of the myths that people might believe about painting iconography and to maybe, um, I don't know, maybe that will, maybe that will inspire more Americans to take it up because something that I'm very concerned, concerns the wrong word, something that I'm very, uh, I don't like to say passionate about because that gets thrown around a lot, but something that, that I'm uh, interested in is inspiring more competent people to begin to paint iconography uh, and to pursue it in a professional capacity here in the United States for the church in the United States. There's nothing wrong with employing someone from Greece or Russia or Belarus or wherever and I understand why churches do that. The money goes a little further and the quality is just better. They, you know, in some instances they've, they've been doing this for 2000 years. So they're going to have a greater handle on it uh, than, than the Americans who've, you know, were just sort of 
figuring this orthodoxy thing out. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think it's really important for if, if orthodoxy is going to really grow in the States for us to have iconographers and investment makers and, you know, all the different crafts and arts that are important and necessary for the liturgical life of the Orthodox church. I really think it should be there, more value and more emphasis should be placed on building that up in the United States by American craftsmen, if that makes sense. And there's people that are doing that. I, I'm not trying to mischaracterize and say that, Oh, you know, it's this desert and there's nobody, there are people and organizations uh, based, I think mostly jurisdictionally that are doing that. You have really cool websites like Orthodox arts journal. Um, you have people doing that. Um, but my whole goal with the YouTube channel isn't to walk people through each and every, the minutia of painting an icon because I would never, I could never make all the videos, right? Um, it's to maybe take away some people's fear um, and for them to just jump into it. I get questions all the time. How do you do this? How do I do that? How do I start painting icons? And I, how I did it was um, when I discovered that there really wasn't this like one sanctified approach to painting an icon um, that there really is an art to it. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's definitely a technique and an approach, you know, that's why a lot of it is step-by-step step. Uh, it's, there's an approach to do it. Um, but it's not, I personally don't really, um, I don't lean into this idea that each and every step is somehow always like an act of prayer every single thing like there is an aspect of that to it 100 percent. it's it's not like painting a portrait of a celebrity or something like that not at all don't misunderstand me um but there is absolutely 100 percent a, a a there's a a way to paint an icon that if you get too hung up on just focusing on like saying a Jesus prayer with every paintbrush stroke. I've heard that a lot of times from people in various parishes. And if that's what you do when you paint an icon, that is totally fine. However, if you're painting iconography and like if someone commissions an icon, I can't do that because I'm, I'm already, it already takes me forever to get an icon anyway, because of how my life is. And, you know, so if I did that, I would never get any work done. And I remember asking, and these aren't ideas that I just came up with on my own. This a Russian friend of mine, I, I asked him, my Serbian friend who lives, you know, is in, lives around here is painting a church uh, south of us here. I, all of these questions I've asked people, a lot of this stuff I didn't just come up with on my own. So don't mis misunderstand me, but I asked him like, well, am I supposed to, when I first began painting, I, I asked these people, am I supposed to be doing this? Or I heard that if you don't do this at this certain stage, then it's not a real icon. You'll hear that a lot. That's not a real icon, you know, whatever. Um, and a lot of the times these people would just sort of laugh, not in a condescending anyway, way, they would just find found it humorous. Like, where did you hear that, you know? And I remember my friend, uh, my Russian friend who really helped me out a lot when I first started said, you know, what is more, what, what's more important and what is of more value to the church, you serving God and getting these 
icons done and to people so that they can use them for what they're intended to, or sitting there and saying a Jesus prayer each time that you, you know, you have a brush stroke or whatever, and like fixating on that, you know, you can do both. You just need, again, you need to find a way to do this and, and produce the icon, but also do it, do it in a prayerful way and not get hung up on one or the other. And so regarding, you know, these videos that I'm making on my YouTube, um, it's mostly just inspiration. And people, as they're just starting out, you'll learn stuff along the way. Um, but the best way to, to begin learning how to paint iconography, I'll tell you the secret. If you really want to get into doing it, the secret is this, pay really close attention, do it. I can't tell you how many people go, they just don't do it because they don't want to do it wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's good. Mm -hmm. Like you want to approach the tradition. You don't want to be arrogant about it and go, I'm God's gift to, you know, no, you can't that's not the way to do it. You know, every morning before I paint, there's a, there's a specific prayer that I pray at the end. Cause I do my prayer rule in the morning. And then there's a prayer that I pray right before I begin painting. Um, that's, that's totally a part of it. If you're not doing that and regular confession, living the life of the church, just the basic stuff, then you shouldn't be painting iconography. That being said, it can be daunting and it can be frustrating, but just jump into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I, the, the next video that I, that I'm doing and currently planning, I've got 10,000 irons in the fire right now. I, I paint, I paint iconography, um, you know, professionally, I guess you could say every single day I do, I do that for hours, six to seven hours a day. But I, you know, I also still, I have a secular job that I go to three days a week still five children like you know we i have a lot going on um in my life but um yeah i I mean i still i still devote that time to painting iconography because it when you do it for long enough it becomes a necessity it becomes a, a vocation of its own if that if that makes sense um and it, it you really do you, you really do become a servant of the church. And if you're going to do it in that capacity, or at least aspire to, um, as I said earlier in the conversation, you have to approach it with humility and, and an understanding an openness to learn and to be corrected and an understanding that you have to operate within the bounds of the tradition. But as I said earlier, just because there's these boundaries, these fences, doesn't mean you know that that you don't have free uh free range of motion within the corral that you're in that's the best way i can put it and any any sort of any sort of tradition uh, whether that's martial arts or even other art traditions from other cultures like for example i mean it's, it's no secret i've been a tattoo artist for 20 years um and uh one of the styles of tattooing that i do is um japanese tattooing and there's these really sort of strict aesthetic boundaries that if you venture too far outside one or the other, it loses, it sort of, it becomes incoherent. It doesn't look like a Japanese tattoo. Well, it's the same thing with iconography. If you get too creative and you venture too far to the left or to the right, it becomes what is, what is referred to as uncanonical, whether that's the imagery depicted, like, for example, this is a great example to use is the when you see the depiction of God, the father in an icon, 
um, that's that's an, a non-canonical or uncanonical depiction um, because it violates the dogma and the teaching of the church, you know. So that's one way to be non-canonical. Um, but another way is to completely depart from the the Byzantine aesthetic, if that makes sense. So um, hmm. anyway, so yeah. Like the ancient, the, the icon of the ancient of day, we actually have one in our parish. It's the ancient mm -hmm. of days with the white beard. Is that, isn't yeah. that, that's God, the father, right? Isn't that? No, 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 no. That's uh that's the pre-incarnate Christ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's actually two, there's, there's an icon very similar to that. I actually don't know. I'm, a, I'm about four scripts in written to my, I'm doing a part of the other thing I'm doing on the YouTube channel is a, I'm doing a concise history of Orthodox iconography. The reason I'm doing it is it's kind of a selfish reason because I have a lot of holes in my knowledge and I want to, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And Absolutely. so I'm, I'm going through and I'm, I'm once I have my fifth script written, um, then I'm, I'm probably going to pull the trigger on it. But the idea is to go through and, you know, do a history of Orthodox iconography from the beginning uh, all the way up to, you know, trends in, in the current day. And I also want to, along the way, take snapshots of really important iconographers in the history of the traditions with an S because there's multiple traditions of Orthodox iconography. Um, but as far as the icon you brought up, yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't know a ton about that controversy. I know what I know is just stuff that I've gleaned um, from reading. Uh, I think I read an article on Orthodox Arts Journal um, something maybe it was there some some other maybe uh, I uh, there's a can't think of it there's a, a really great website run by an unbeliever of all people um, I think it I don't want to say the name because I don't there's two different ones there's Russian icons and then there's another one like icon reader I think the Russian icons one is the one that's by someone who's just agnostic or whatever but just like an art collector but um they're also a historian and they do a, a really good job. If you can get over there, like sometimes they make snide comments. If you can ignore that, you can get a, a lot of really good historical knowledge about uh, more specifically Russian iconography, but they, they go into Greek iconography as well. But anyway, yeah, I've, uh, there's a couple articles on some of those icon websites and um, it talks about the, the heretical, the heretical icon of where you see God, the father, God, the son, and then the Holy spirit, because oh, okay. a dove sometimes i've seen like uh I, I think i saw like christ as a as a child like emmanuel or whatever and that there, there's just a, there's a couple different versions of it i'm not like i said i'm not an expert on that specific controversy but i do know when you see uh the ancient of days where it's christ depicted with his hair is white right um yeah that's that's not um that's not the heretical icon that everyone's talking about. Oh, okay. um, I will do, I'll, this is a huge topic that everybody talks about all the time. So I'll probably do a, a deep dive episode on this eventually when I get around to it. But um, yeah, that's, that's what that is. So uh, like how often do you think you'll be uh, post plan on posting videos on your YouTube channel? Well, once I get the, uh, the history podcast going, um, I'm going to, uh, those I'm going to do, the reason I'm stacking up scripts is so that I can do it regularly. Cause the last time I tried to do this, I have, I have, ex I have negative free time. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I just, right. I don't even have time to like, 
Yeah. So um, once it's launched, at least one history episode a month and then one icon walkthrough. I don't know, though. To be honest, I'm. Okay. it's just something that's going to develop and, you know, God willing, we'll see what happens to it. There's another really, really, really good uh, instructional channel on YouTube. I'm not getting paid. I don't really know this guy, uh, but he does really solid stuff. It's that painting the light channel. I think he's got like 40 subs and 40,000 subs now. Yeah. He does, he does really good stuff from a, um, a more Greek kind of like a really traditional um, Cretan iconography, uh, that style perspective. I don't agree with him on everything. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't agree with me. I've never met an iconographer who, if we were to have one of these conversations, we would totally agree on everything. Artists in general uh, are usually fairly opinionated people, unfortunately. So, um, but if you're, if you're looking for um, really, really good instructional stuff, um, besides plugging my own channel, um, that guy is probably doing the, you know, the best stuff you can, you can encounter. So. Okay. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, you're have a busy schedule. What is your, I mean, could you maybe elaborate on your painting schedule and, uh, maybe how long it takes for you to, to paint an icon? Yeah. So, well, um, I wear a couple different hats. I'm a, uh, uh, I work for a, an Orthodox media company that I don't want to name at this point. Uh, if I did, everyone would know who it is. Um, I work for them as an artist slash designer. Um, yeah. And I wear multiple hats for them too. So um, they've started to take up a little more of my time when, now that I've, I've taken a more permanent sort of uh, uh, set of responsibilities with them. So that takes up a good chunk of my time. Um, but every single day, no matter what, usually Sundays, I don't, I, I tend to be a little looser with my work schedule because, you know, the whole not working on Sunday thing, um, but I still paint a little bit, but yeah. So I usually, I get up pretty early in the morning. I get up around two, two to 3am. It just depends. And I paint uh, from yeah, probably about two thirty or three till uh, nine, ten, sometimes eleven. It just depends. Now, do you take breaks? You, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got a bunch of kids, so okay. it's, the reason why I get up early is not because I, you know, it's not some ascesis where I'm some like, you know, like, like I'm not like elder friend where I like am not sleeping for ascetic reasons. Like I just go to bed early. I just have a my schedule is like almost like a swing shift, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there, I mean, I, I sleep about five, six hours a night. Um, it's doable. It, it took me about a year to get used to doing that, but, um, I'm it's, it, that's like, that's not the issue here. Um, the issue is time, uh, with my, my kids and my other, you know, I still tattoo, uh, which, you know, some people are clutching their pearls hearing that. Um, I still tattoo out of necessity. Um, but I'm in a, I'm in that spot where is I'm at a point now where I, I sort of have to decide to go all in with uh, iconography and serving the Orthodox Church in a more formal capacity, full time with iconography and art, just generally, um, because it's really difficult to sort of have two full time jobs 
even if I was like not in this profession, either profession, if you have, if you work like, you know, you go seven hours and then you go somewhere and work seven, if you work 14 hours a day, you know, I mean, that's burning the candle at both ends and eventually you got to kind of make a choice. So Mm. yeah, it takes, it takes me a little bit to get um, commissions out sometimes and people don't really understand that aspect because I, you know, it's not, it's not something I share with people when they commission an icon because it, it just kind of sounds weird, you know, like, well, I'll get it to you when I get it to you, but you know, like it, 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 it just sounds odd. Um, but yeah, I, I, gener- I pause taking commissions too. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll take them and then I'll stop, you know, catch up with what I have to do and then start taking them again. Right now I'm a little bit behind on getting my commissions out. I'm doing another almost done actually with this, um, doing a large illustration, iconographic illustration for um, an Eastern Catholic media company. And then um, I'm doing some other very large icons for um, a seminar, an Orthodox seminary. And then, you know, uh, bigger projects essentially is what I'm starting to do now. But um, yeah, I get inquiries about uh, personal icons, kind of like the one I did for you all the time. And I'm happy to take them on and do them, but uh, sometimes I can get it to you within two weeks. Other times it'll take me six months. You know, it just depends on my schedule and where I'm at in my, in both of my work schedules. Hopefully God willing in the next year or two, um, I can just devote myself totally to iconography. And then once that happens, I think, um, I'll be able to have a more regular predictable delivery schedule. So, Okay. So are you, are you taking commissions at the moment? I don't, I think you. Um, yes. And I mean, it just depends on the expectation of the person that wants the, the icon, you know what I mean? It's like, I I have other people, I have other people that I'm beholden to right now that Mm -hmm. I, that I've, you know, that I'm doing work for essentially. And, um, the, the, the work that I do for this Orthodox media company um, also is a priority. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I love to take commissions on after the first of the year, I'll be all caught up with these bigger projects and um, I'm going to have a little bit different of a system. I think Uh, it's just, I've been really blessed and overwhelmed with the, um, the interest and uh, I want to be able to, it's a huge blessing for me to be able to paint an icon for someone and to know that they're going to use this icon to pray it's just a i can't i can't even think of the words like it's it's a huge blessing and it's it's really surreal and it's um yeah i I just can't think of the words so it's i i want if i could take on every single commission that every single person wanted to do i i would absolutely 100 percent do that um but you know, I, d- I don't want to take something on and then be like, yes, I can't get your icon to you for eight months. Sorry. You know that people tend to be a little disappointed. Yeah. Like that. So yeah, I would he, be too. yeah these I- icons last basically forever. I mean, if they're taken care of, they, you know, right. like thousand, thousand and thousands of years. Um, so I chose uh, for the topic, for the title of this stream, how to commission an icon. Yeah. And uh, I have an I actually I'll be um, honestly, I have actually I kind of I have been 
when I see people with icons of the prophet David, I have been coveting their icons for years. And I have actually been considering asking you, well, let's just, what, what I want to, what I want to do here, let's say, let's walk through, let's say I want to commission an icon of the prophet David from you. Okay. And so let's yeah. walk, let's walk through that process just so people would know what they're, if they wanted to do this for, to make, maybe make a, if they want to have a hand painted icon of their patron saint or something. So, uh, you know, we could talk about sizes and, you know, styles and, you know, all those right. things. So where, where do we start? Well, usually what people will do um, is they'll either contact me on social media or uh, my website. I have a contact form on my website. You can just like any other website, you go down and, put your name and email and then what you want or whatever and shoot me a message. And um, yeah. And usually what I do is I fire back questions. Um, eventually I want to have a page on my website, sort of like a, an FAQ, like a frequently asked questions because the, the number one question I get when people ask me that, you know, that, that want to commission an icon, they say, how much is an icon? And that's, that's a difficult question for me to answer because it's like saying, how much is a car? How much is a meal? You know, it's like, there's a lot of variables. So what I mm. want to do is have it set up. And I mean, people don't, you know, they don't, they don't know, you know, they, you don't know what you don't know. So right. um, I want to have some sort of like a, a frequently asked questions or maybe even like a, a, a form that you can kind of click through and give me a better idea of your specifics and then send the message out and that'll, that'll really cut down on um, reply time and communication time. But anyway, um, yeah, people will ask me how much is an icon or sometimes they'll give me more specifics. My, you know, like you wanted an icon of um, David and there's a lot of different ways you can do it. Um, I will ask, I will email them back. Okay, great. Do you want, what size do you want? Um, do you have a specific prototype? And I keep using that word prototype or model. Mm -hmm. What that is, is that uh, like we were talking about earlier, there are different historical examples of icons. Mm -hmm. um, and what I'll ask is if someone's like, I want an icon of Christ. Okay. Well, there's literally hundreds of models or prototypes, different icons of Christ. They all look they're They all have similar attributes, but they're all a little different, you know? So um, I'll ask, do you have a prototype or a model? And then I'll say, do you have a preference on panel? Because there's a couple different ways we can do this, depending on how much money you want to spend, uh, how traditional you want to be. I can, I could paint you an icon on, you know, a piece of hardboard, which is like, I don't think I have any. Yeah, I probably do have some around. Um, a piece of heart. Well, yeah, this is on this father Sarah from Rose portraits on hardboard. You see that? See how thin that is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I mostly do oil painting on these, but this is hardboard. It's just like referred to sometimes as Masonite essentially. Um, or there's, you know, like a traditional icon panel, which is, uh, forgive me, I'll grab you this, something like this, you know, which has got the, the braces in the back to keep it from warping. Uh, oh, you know, it's got yeah. it's got this like frame. That, it's called a kovchig, which is this recessed area that's, that's carved. And, that's probably like the size I would want. That's like about what is that size? That's like 
Uh, this is I I forget that's done in metric because these are from my um, okay. my my former icon panel supplier that I no longer am allowed to do business with because of a an awesome uh, stupid war. But anyway, um, oh, yeah, yeah, my friend Dimitri and me, I I bought panels from him for like eight years, and right when this uh you know global problem kicked off, I I just made like a really big <laughs> icon panel order and. He couldn't get my money anyway. It was a disaster. But um, so I'm still on the lookout for, you know, someone that can uh, provide me with panels. But anyway, um, yeah, so that's that's more of like a traditional, traditional panel. Um, and then there are like the oh, wait, no, this is so this is another what you would call a traditional panel. Or if you can see it has the braces, but they're more inside the wood. Oh, OK. Ah, yeah, I like that. I like that see and these are but this is flat it doesn't have that recessed cold right. jig area okay. okay so that's one style um and you can all of these you can do at any any size basically and then um what a lot of icons in the states are is they're on um uh baltic birch plywood okay baltic birch plywood is different than the plywood that you use to like frame your shed or something like that Baltic birch plywood. I wonder if I have any. Oh man, I should have. I should have prepared more. I do, but I don't. I don't want to get up and screw up the stream. Um, Baltic birch plywood. It looks really similar to this. You mm -hmm. know what I just showed you with this um, flat panel. The dimensions and stuff are the same, um, but it doesn't require those braces built into it. Um, the reason the brace. You see, the reason you see those big thick pieces of wood uh, in an icon in a an old school like traditional panel like that mm -hmm. the reason you see these is to lessen the effects of warpage over time so you know like well you go to the monastery you go inside their church and they have a bunch of those really old icons up if you notice there's one of the theotokos up on the wall and it's it's warped you know it's bent kind of like that and um it has these braces in the back and these braces stop it from warping further than it normally would i have an icon here um, hanging up over off camera here um, that I purchased. Uh, it's from, it's probably about 250 years old. And it, it has those um, uh, braces in the back of it. And it's completely flat. And it's probably about 220, 250 years old, you know. So anyway, um, <laughs> but with Baltic birch, you don't, you don't need to do that. You don't need to have those built into it because the birch plywood is essentially so warp resistant that it's, it's not really going to warp like that over time. That's the theory. They didn't have plywood 200 years ago. So a lot of these modern materials like plywood, acrylic, all this stuff, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, but I mean, from, from what, from what we know uh, so far, they're, they're going to stick around. It's that's my opinion. I don't, I don't see any issue with this stuff by the way, but anyway, so those are some of the options. And then I'll ask, you know, okay, what kind of panel do you have um, a preference on style or period or school? You have the Cretan school Macedonia. you have all these different periods. Um, and even within like Greek iconography or Serbian iconography, or especially Russian iconography, you have these different schools and time periods and geographic regions where you have all these different like variations in style and color and aesthetic. Okay. 
So I'll ask that uh, if I don't get any information about it, basically. Um, and then oftentimes people are overwhelmed with, <laughs> with all the questions that I fire back. Right. They're like, uh, I don't know. I just want an icon of Christ, you know? Yeah. So um, when that's, if that's the case, then, then I'll sort of take the reins and help the person kind of figure out what they want. Um, oh, okay. I'd say, I'd say 85% of the time, um, you know, people, people already kind of know what they're after. Um, hmm. And, you know, I do a lot of what I would call original iconography. Um, but I also, one of my favorite things to do is I like to reproduce icons from old prototypes. You know, remember at the beginning of our conversation, I talked about there's this one school of thought that all we're supposed to do is just reproduce these old prototypes. <clears throat> I enjoy doing that. Uh, I do that. I do what's called, uh, I, I oil paint too. I'm super into Western art. Um, <clears throat> and one way that you learn how to oil paint a traditional way is by doing what are called master copies. And essentially what you do is you do a copy of a painting by Rembrandt or whatever artist you're trying to learn their technique. You look at their painting and you copy it. And the reason you do that is that's how you learn their technique. It helps you sort of back engineer how they did things. And then you absorb these techniques into your technique, essentially. Um, <clears throat> and just like iconography, Western art, whether that's, you know, Baroque, uh, whatever, whatever, like period, you know, romantic or whatever, whatever period you're talking about, there's a specific approach and school or style or uh, style or school to getting your art to look like the old, what are called uh, in Western art, old masters, essentially. Mm. And so regarding iconography, uh, you can take the same approach. And now I'm not a big fan of taking an icon and beating it up and making it look old, like antiquing it or relicking it. I'm not into that at all. Um, I don't think that that's a good idea because it, that to me, my personal opinion is you're, crossing a little bit of a line and devaluing the icon into merely art. Um, that's just one of my own personal things. I don't judge anyone for doing it. I just don't do that. But um, as far as copying, like trying to get something as exact as I possibly can of, let's say like, um, you know, some famous icon of Christ from Mount Athos or something, you know, if someone requests that I'll absolutely do that for them. Um, so and one, one of the icons, you know, is the, you know, the Sinai, uh, I, the Sinai Pantocrator of Christ. I paint that all the time. In fact, I have a, a giant, I'm doing a huge one. It's literally off to my right over here on canvas to be mounted on a wall. So I'm, I love reproducing old icons. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, so once we can establish all that, then usually what happens is, um, you know, I'll come up with a price and that all ranges wildly. Usually if someone wants to commission an icon, I can usually do something for them at almost any budget. So hmm. let's say they want to get a, an icon of their patron saint, a hand painted one, but they don't have like a, like an, an icon like this. Now this isn't completed. Obviously I started this like a long time ago and it's in my stack of uncomplete or, you know, icons that haven't been completed. St. Demetrius. 
Um, something like this, this size, I would probably charge with gold, you know, um, I would probably charge between four and $700. It just depends on the content. So for like an Ike or this, for example, um, like if someone didn't have a ton of money, let's say they only had a couple hundred dollars and they wanted an icon of their patron saint and they're on a budget, something like this, this icon, you know, of St. Anne, a bust like this, just the head, um, you know, with gold, this has gold and silver. Um, I don't know if you can see that very well. So bit. something, yeah, something like this, uh, you know, it's on a thicker panel, but it's on hardboard mounted. Okay. Huh. okay. So, so this panel, it doesn't cost me like, for example, a, uh, a traditional icon panel that'll, that in and of itself is a work of art and requires a skilled hand to make. Well, that costs money. So I don't make those panels. There are some panels that I do make myself like out of the plywood I mentioned earlier, I will make those. Um, I tend to like to buy the panels cause you know, I'm a painter, not a wood, woodworker. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so if you want something like that, it increases the price, but if you mm -hmm. are on a budget or something like that, like something like this, you know, I can usually do for a couple hundred bucks, you know, and that's usually mm -hmm. with within the budget of everybody. So, yeah. um, I just like to make that available, you know, at every price point. And if somebody wants to spend two grand on a, you know, then I'm, I'm all for that too. But, um, the whole purpose is I'm not selling people art. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, I have paintings and I have oil paints that like I sell people my art, but that's not the point of this. I'm not, I'm not approaching it that way. I'm not just selling people art. An icon is, it is a piece of art in one sense, but it's obviously as Orthodox Christians, we believe it's much more than that, you know? And so, um, part of the reason I like to sort of have, I don't want to call them tiers of icons, but I just want hand-painted iconography to become more accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with having a print, but the goal should be to move away from prints person. You know, this is just my opinion. The goal should be to move away from prints and to move towards hand painted iconography it would be this it's you can make sort of a similar argument with um you know thank god we're not using recorded chant in our churches you know like we're, we don't play a cd of like the men's choir from the saint petersburg cathedral or whatever like we don't do that thank god um but you can kind of make an argument that mass printed and mounted icons are a blessing but they shouldn't be where we stop you know and i don't care if you you know hire me or commissions whoever you should do whatever you can to acquire a hand-painted unique icon because if you have something like that you're going to treasure it and you're going to value it just on its own merit but if it's also in your icon corner and it's of your patron saint or of Christ or the mother of God, and every single day you're doing your prayer rule and you're venerating that and you're praying with this icon, um, 
you're you're going to develop an attachment not 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 necessarily to the physical matter that the icon is but it's it really is a blessing and a grace to have a hand painted icon like that you develop a really a really close closer relationship with god and your patron saint and it's just my experience you tend to value not only the icon but that relationship a lot more it's just it's i can't tell you if you haven't experienced that you know it's just a huge blessing to have something like that yeah that you use for your own personal prayer life so i like to try to make that available to everybody no matter what your your economic situation is yeah it's really nice to have an hand painted icon it's like night and day um it's like mm-hmm. alive i guess it seems um right so the so that gold leaf, how much does that gold leaf add to it? Like, I mean, it was, it's not, I mean, it's not necessarily the, the material. Uh, I mean, it's not cheap, but it's the, uh, it's, it's a little, it just adds to the amount of labor that goes into it. If that oh. makes sense. Um, like I said, the go- it's not that like gold's cheap, that's real gold. Um, but it's gilding when that's when you apply the gold to the, the panel. Uh, it, it can be really labor intensive and it just depends mm. on the, the way that you apply it. There's a bunch of different ways to apply the gold leaf. I tend to use a more modern way, which is with a, uh, either an oil or a water-based, um, what's called uh, mixion, mm. uh, or it's just a varnish, essentially. Uh, think of it like a, a glue, a fancy glue. Uh, and you put that on there. You wait for it to dry, but not be too dry. It kind of has to be in between. It has to be dry, but tacky a little bit. And then you apply the gold leaf and there's a technique to do all this stuff. Um, I'm currently probably in the next, hopefully I should say, God willing in the next year, I'm going to move more towards traditional, um, it's called water gilding or, you know, with clay bowl and all that stuff. Um, Hmm. It's a difficult technique to learn on your own, but I'm going to give it a shot and I have a, a good Romanian couple Romanian friends who they, in my opinion, they tend to do the, some of the most high, high skilled gilding in the world uh, regarding iconography. So I have some people that are willing to, at least from a distance, help me get this under my, under my hands a little bit, but um, yeah, it's, it's functionally just uh, a labor thing. So um, I think gold in general, I prefer, at, at the least, I prefer gold uh, in the, the halo or the nimbus or whatever you want to call it. I prefer gold at a minimum there. Um, but there is something that just really beautifies an icon if the entire thing is gilded. And, you know, I mean, that 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 might add a, you know, a couple hundred bucks to it, depending on how you how you do it or who does it. But it's absolutely 100 percent worth it. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm actually serious about this icon. I might keep you. I'm gonna stay in <laughs> yeah, touch no. with you and might and might might. How many iconographers do iconographers do we have here in the United States? Do you even know? I mean, like, well, I mean, there's here's the thing. It's um, so in the United States, there's quite a few people who. There's a lot of people that paint iconography, um, and a lot of people do it you know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, there's a lot of people that do it. It depends on what, what application the icon is used in. Like if it's, for example, I had to get a blessing from the metropolitan to have my iconography 
um, used in a liturgical setting or to be able to paint an icon that is in the ch in a church. Okay. That's when I was in the Antiochian archdiocese. Okay. Metropolitan Joseph gave me his blessing, personally gave me his blessing that his iconography can be used in a church. Okay. You have to get that if you want that in the Antiochian archdiocese, at least you used to have to, I don't know about now, but, um, but, you know, I don't really know. And because there's a lot of people in, in every parish usually who paint icons. Right. But so, like professionally, you know, people who could. Right. Could... Right. Um, I mean, I, there's, there's a few, you know, there's mm. uh, I can't really give a number. There's not enough. Right. <laughs> I'll, just put it, I'll just put it that way. There's not, a, there's not enough. Uh, and w what I said earlier about when churches bring icon painters over from overseas, I wasn't putting shade on that at all because there's a reason why it's because they're usually more skilled, more experienced, the money that the church has to spend on this iconography sometimes, not always goes a little bit further occasionally. Um, but my whole point with bringing that up is it would be cool to see more icon painters coming up in the United States um, who got to a professional level, if that makes sense. There's really yeah. no, there's no way to put that. Um, but, um, you know, sometimes people get salty if you talk about, you know, iconography, you know, skilled iconography at a professional level. Um, you, you tend not to get that attitude in Orthodox countries. I mean, because the standards are really high, but in the States I've gotten grief from some people, you know, saying, Oh, well, we don't view our iconography like that. And it doesn't matter if it's more folkish or, you know, the drawing isn't quite right or whatever. Um, I don't particularly agree with that. You know, if you go to a parish and you, you listen to the chanting and if it's off key and just not done well, it affects the liturgy. And um, it's just better when the person is skilled and knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, someone, someone who does, you know, if you, if you hire someone to build the church building, you know, and they're giving it their best effort and they might not be professional or at least have a, a solid skill set to do that sort of construction, but their heart is in the right place. Like, no, like you need to, you need to have skilled, qualified craftsmen. Right. And so um, it's the same thing with iconography. And that's partly why I think Metropolitan Joseph required him to sort of give a blessing, at least look over the iconography to sort of keep that standard um, up at a, at a, for lack of a better term, a, a professional level. So there is so much untapped ability in the Orthodox church in the, in the West from Americans. Okay. And it would be really cool in the next 20 years to see more people decide to jump into it with mm -hmm. a, the right attitude that, you know, first and foremost, and be with the same mentality to build our own tradition as the church matures. I think eventually when we're ready, uh, God will bless us with a unified Orthodox church mm -hmm. and we'll sort of bust out of this necessary, but unfortunate situation we have with these jurisdictions. Um, and I think when we start trending towards that, I think, um, if we're, I mean, if we're around as a country, I don't know the way things are going, but, um, I really, I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible for it not to happen. Orthodox iconography has developed over time. There's this misunderstanding that what you see 
as far as how I'm not talking about the content of the iconography. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the seventh ecumenical council. I'm not talking about the utility or the purpose of our iconography or the theology or the dogma behind it. Don't even think about that. What I'm talking about is how the iconography looks, the aesthetics, the way it's drawn, the colors used, um, that developed, okay? That developed out of, well, that's, I won't go into that. Listen to my podcast, okay, if you want to learn about that. But anyway, um, iconography develops, okay? And that's why I use traditions with an S, because there are different traditions. If you look at an icon from, you know, the, the, uh, the Moscow School versus like a Cretan icon, there's similarities. There's a lot of similarities. And the content is the same, like, uh, you know, an icon of the, the nativity um, or, or like a theophany or something like that. The content is the same and, and the truth that's being proclaimed in that icon is the same. But the aesthetics, how things are drawn, um, the proportions, the way things are placed, that stuff varies by culture and by time period and by tradition, okay? canonical tradition well um what we're seeing going on now in the world of iconography is the exact same thing and you know connecting back to what i said about those two different schools of thought where you have the what i would call the more rigid um it has to look exactly like those old icons and then you have people who are exploring um for lack of a better term the evolution of the iconographic aesthetic within the confines of the theology okay um the people who are doing it in column b are more in keeping with the whole tradition of iconography as a whole okay the the cretan school it developed you, you know you didn't have iconography that looked like um theophanes the cretan okay he's one of my favorites he like he defined, in my opinion, he, as I said in that, you know, in that last YouTube video I did, he sort of defines Cretan iconography. Like when someone, when, when someone has a mental picture, think of a Byzantine Orthodox icon. They're probably going to be thinking about an icon painted by Theophanes the Cretan or, or you know, Astropus or, or any of those guys within that specific period. Okay, but that, those icons don't look like icons that came 300 years, 400 years before. Um, that tradition, it, it, that aesthetic developed essentially. Okay. And then from there, you know, that developed on, and then as it moved into Russia, um, there was a cross-cultural exchange. Again, listen to my upcoming podcast. If you'd like to learn the, uh, details and the minutia of that. Um, and what we're seeing now is sort of a re, a re, um, I don't want to say a rediscovery, but a reignition of that. Uh, so there's something new going on and that's not always a bad thing. Okay. Um, you, a great, uh, one of my favorite iconographers and people of the 20th century um, was Photios Contoglu. Okay. And um, you know, he's an iconographer and he, he wrote a lot about, uh, Byzantine iconography and the, the theology behind it. Um, you ever heard of uh, Saints Raphael, Nicholas, and Irene? No. 
man, I'm going to send you, uh, it's crazy to me. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of us in America haven't heard of these saints. I'm going to send you some stuff. And if you're watching or listening to this and you don't know who saints Raphael, Nicholas, and Irene are, Google it. It'll blow your mind. I'll give you just a quick synopsis of the story. In I believe the 1950s, there's an island called Lesbos in Greece. Okay. And long story short, these there's the people that live there started getting like not just one person, but like I think a metropolitan and then like lay people and a priest or something. There was a monk, a priest monk, the same one started visiting these people in their dreams. Okay. And like the next sometime in the 1950s. And they, he was telling these people to dig in a certain area. And some people were even outside and they saw this uh, off, off on the horizon line over where they, they were told to dig. They would see like a, uh, a priest monk sensing. And then they'd go over there and nobody would be there, right? Anyway, again, look it up to get all the details because I'm, I'm going to not I'm – I'm, I'm hesitant to even convey the story because I'm probably not going to give all the information right. But uh, it's, one of, it's one of my favorite – uh, store, uh, saint stories. It's one of my favorite orthodox things, I guess you could say, is this story. And uh, anyway, they started digging in this one area. They hired like these contractors or something to dig because they were all told, you know, that there's these saints relics here. And so they started digging and what do they find? They find bones, you know, and one of the, one of the, uh, there's some, one of the stories is like one of the construction workers was like scoffing or something. And he like hit one of the bones and joked about it and like hit it with the shovel again. And he ended up like being paralyzed or something until he repented of it. I mean, there's all these crazy stories anyway. Um, you know, there's, or t- excuse me, two of the, two of the saints, saints Raphael and St. Nicholas, I think one was a higher deacon and one was a priest. They were martyred. They're from like the 1400s or something like that. Anyway, they were martyred by the Ottoman Turks. Okay. One of them was, um, I think he had like his head saw it, something brutal that the auto, you know, you read the stories about the Ottomans. They did nasty stuff. It was one of those stories. And um, there was a little girl who was like the mayor's, the mayor of the town's daughter. And um, again, I forget the details. It's been so long since I read this book, but she was burned alive inside at eight years old, was burned alive inside of a, um, like a ceramic jar in front of her parents Anyway, and so she's a she's a martyr, you know, they're saints. And uh, the, anyway, in the 50s, their relics were discovered through visions and dreams over multiple people in this island community. And it became this like international thing. Um, you know who Father Barnabas Powell is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, he, I don't know, I don't really follow him too much anymore, but um, I believe he's still at this parish. The name of his parish in Georgia is Saints hmm. Raphael, Nicholas, and Irene. Uh, okay. And so... Um, in anyone in the Greek church that's watching this, you'll know exactly who these saints are. Um, anyway, my point in bringing this up is that Photios Contaglou, uh, one of my favorite iconologists and iconographers from the 20th century, he, he was profoundly impacted by this story. Um, and I believe he, he had a, a bit of a supernatural encounter or a preternatural, whatever the correct miraculous encounter. And he wrote a book, a best-selling book about what happened on Lesbos in Greece at the time. So that was my little rabbit trail because you haven't heard of it. But um, anyway, Photios Contiglou, um, he wrote all these great things about iconography and he was very critical of Western art. Um, 
you know, I've read most of what I can get my hands on uh, that's in English. And even though I respect him a lot, and even though, I mean, I, I won't get it, but I painted a little uh, iconographic portrait of him that I have hanging in my studio. I love him. Okay. I disagree with him a lot on hmm. a lot of things. Um, and there's, I, I encourage people to seek out what he has written, not because I agree with everything he says, but because he was sort of a, a um, I don't want to say single-handedly because he didn't, but he was sort of a jump off point or a catalyst for um, this great movement in Greek iconography, sort of away from Western, um, what is sometimes referred to as academic or naturalistic art and iconography and more towards the Byzantine aesthetic that we know as iconography. Now there's been theological significance that's been attached after the fact to the way that our iconography looks that didn't come around first. And then the iconography developed, it was, it was sort of overlaid on the top of it. There's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it's presented in our parishes or presented by pe well-meaning people as if everything that's repeated about iconography is dogmatically defined. And that's simply not necessarily true. Um, a lot of that stuff's, not really that old, but um, anyway, so there's, there's a place for exploring the development of iconography within the tradition in our own culture, in our own cultural context. But the problem is, is that you have to have a strong, secure, vibrant, orthodox cultural ethos in order to do that and not depart into uh, to the left or the right, depart into what I would consider error. Okay. okay. That is above my pay grade. <laughs> uh, like for example, they're, they're sort of doing that. There's a movement for that in Russia and Romania and Orthodox countries. And I think that we need to, in America, sort of look to what's going on as far as iconography goes look to what's going on there in these orthodox countries as far as contemporary iconography as sort of a guide as to where we should go because as americans we tend to have a propensity to be very individualistic that's just part of our culture i mean that's mm -hmm. us as you know the right. american exceptionalism and you know rugged individualism or whatever we're very individualistic people and so um, we tend to take that a little too far. So when I say I, I'd love to see more natural born American iconographers, um, it's still going to be a really long time before we can say we have our own uniquely American style of iconography because we're not at our core an, an Orthodox culture. And frankly, right. I don't think we ever will be. So, I mean, I don't know. God, you know, we'll see what God has in store. You never know. But um, we, we need to lean into Greece, Russia, Romania, Serbia. We need to lean into these countries from where we got orthodoxy. But at the same time, we as Americans and American iconographers, we also, we also need to realize that it's not just about 
reproducing icons to look exactly like they do from you know 1500s 1600s whatever we need to be aware of the tradition but also understand that it's going to develop in its own way here and not necessarily fixate upon just copying these old icons if that makes sense it's kind of a sure. long-winded thing sure i'm choosing my words carefully because no when I, whenever i have these conversations people misunderstand what i'm trying to uh, say and i always get angry emails so i'm being a little careful but you're i uh, want to come off you're you're quite articulate so this is I, uh, I just i don't want to come off as like i'm i'm saying like i'm some authority because that's not true at all i'm just these are just my personal views as an artist and as an iconographer. And, um, you know, I've, I've thought about this a lot and, um, I've oscillated between these two camps mm. and you can, you can kind of see that in my work, uh, to be honest. And I still do it to this day, you know, like last week, um, I was working on something and I really, I really, uh, I was like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm really just going to stick with this prototype. Exactly. I'm not really going to deviate, you know, and then this week I had another project I had to finish up um, where I, I leaned more into being a little more contemporary with how I'm doing things. So um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a never ending struggle as an iconographer trying to know to be creative, but also not be intentionally creative if that makes sense. Like sure. it just, it just sort of is something that happens. It's not yep. something you need to strive after. Right. I'm, I, I'm, I have experience with that in my own artistic. That's uh, right. Yeah. Experience. Um, so I agree with, you know, this, I agree with you that we do need to have some uh, young orthodox, some artists, people who have artistic talent should get into iconography and you might not realize this, but you're uh, you're, your uh, YouTube page is if you keep doing that, which I encourage you to, you know, that could be planting seeds. You don't realize it, but you, you might be, you know, we have a lot of young men coming into the church right now and some of them could right. have uh, some artistic talent. So I, I, I do encourage you to continue with those videos. They are quite, um, quite well done. And I hope that everybody Thanks. watching this will, uh, there's links in the description below. So I hope everybody will go and check it out and subscribe to his um, YouTube channel. Um, and the, the podcast you mentioned that's separate from your YouTube channel, right? That's iconography. It's, it's, it's in conjunction with that. I'm going to release that on, you know, the usual podcast, like, uh, you know, Hi. Apple or yeah, the usual podcast platforms, but it's going to be on the same exact channel, you know, just in conjunction with my, iconography okay. tutorials so okay. um yeah um now i do want to show your uh just just go to your i'm gonna show your website to people real quick but uh i did have one more question do you, are you working on do you have any more uh commissions for the monastery at the moment do have they the last one i did was for was a saint john of san francisco um and then i have a uh I have a gazillion like in progress icons, but um, yes, there's one more icon that I am doing. It's a small one, similar to this, like this size. Mm -hmm. Abitrifon has um, the relics of St. Anastasia of Rome. And so um, mm -hmm. I'll be sending that over probably sometime around the first of the year. Oh, okay. That'll be done. 
but yeah, no, nothing big planned. I've, I've sort of planted the seed about maybe possibly uh, doing something for their somewhere on their walls. Maybe, I don't know if they'll ever go that route, but um, oh, okay. I, vol- I volunteered uh, for that. If they're, <laughs> if they ever want to do that. So oh, okay. we'll see. He always right. puts me to work with something. So I'm I imagine sure find something. Okay. okay. Let me, uh, let's see. I'm going to share a screen here. Let me just give me a moment. Uh, iconography share. So this is Shane's website, which uh, you've had this uh, domain for quite a while, right? And how, yeah. how, when did, but when did you make this? It wasn't, I wasn't able to find it for, for a while. Yeah, I've had the, I've had the domain for a while. Every single thing I do is I have to do it basically. Um, so I had to build the website. So it took me ages to do and It's still not completed. I just needed to get it up. So, um, oh, wow. So you have that skill set too, huh? I mean, it's, it, it wasn't, I, I don't want to misrepresent, misrepresent. It, it wasn't difficult. I, I did it on like a website builder, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. But, um, but yeah, I had the domain for a while and it was, it was up for a little while. And then I, I wanted to sort of revamp the, uh, the store that I have. And so, uh oh okay it looks like he has um looks like shane got cut off this is a bummer um if i'll i'm gonna wait and see if maybe he'll uh he might come back on in a moment if i mean if 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 you're listening if you can still hear shane you're welcome to uh to jump back in to the stream, but I'm going to go ahead and show his um, webpage for you guys. Um, and so these are, this are, here's some icons that examples of the icons that he's done. Um, so this is at shaneswenson.com and the, um, Uh, here's the front. He has, uh, also if you, so if you're wanting to get in contact him, here is the, uh, that forum that he was talking about. So if you want to, um, if you want to commission an icon, you can come here. And so he also does other things, portraits and design. So um, I just wanted to show everybody. Oh, here he is. All right. Okay. It looks like you had gotten cut off. Yeah. We had a power surge. Oh, bummer. Wow. That, yeah. that, that fixed pretty quickly. Um, yeah. If anybody in... Uh, in the chat has any questions if you want to think of them now would be the time uh we're not a monetized channel so you can just put them in the chat and when you, if you have any questions for shane is there anything you would like me to sh- pull up on here on your website um, oh no i mean just the maybe just the home page i don't know if you already showed page. that oh right yeah i did when you were yeah that's it that was pretty pretty straightforward site you know what is this uh that you're painting here uh, that's just a, uh, 
you know, a, uh, a mural icon of the Mandelian on canvas, you know, where and is that's, that? Uh, oh, that's, uh, it's here <laughs> sitting over there. It's just, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So you said you've have you have like, where are some of the places that you've, you said you have your, besides all merciful savior monastery, you have other churches and monasteries where your work is. Yeah, there's, uh, I've had icons commissioned, uh, you know, there's a couple different monasteries in Greece. Uh, I've sent, icon, you know, sold icons to people in Greece, Serbia, England, France. Uh, I, I mean, I can't, wow. Russia, individuals, you know, and then um, there's been a couple churches, churches all over the States. And then um, I've had, I can't remember. Yeah, I did. Um, they're in Belarus. That's what it was. There was a, um, I've, I've done a, I did a commission for a church in Belarus, like a panel icon. <clears throat> yeah, how did, a couple other places too, South Africa, whatnot. How did those people find out about you? Is on the internet? Or was... uh, pro- yeah, probably. I, I would assume. Yeah, probably my, my Instagram account and, um, Oh, you know, okay. having Abbott Trifon uh, constantly, uh, you know, doing his blog posts with you know, icons I've done right. talking about oh, me. Okay. Yeah, that definitely helps. But yeah, just, um, you know, doing that sort of thing. I've done several portraits. Oh, there goes my crazy German shepherds, if you can hear them. Um, Not really. Oh, okay. They're extremely loud right now. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I've done I've done a couple portraits of like Elder Frem. Um, that have been, you know, in, in a, a few of his monasteries here in the States. And then, you know, people will see those and it's just, you know, it's been through basically word of mouth and then the internet and whatnot. God's, God's definitely blessed me with, with that. So. Okay. So I guess we don't have any questions, but uh, this has been, let me, this has been a, a awesome interview. Uh, do you have anything you want to tell people about? Uh, I guess this is your opportunity for uh, getting in contact with you, your socials, that kind of thing. Yeah, if you go on my website, um, I, you know, I think in the description here, there's a, a few links to or whatever. But if you go on my website, there's a social media tab and you can find all my social media there. I have a Twitter, Instagram and a Facebook I'm mulling over TikTok, but man, I just, I feel like I'm a little too old to do mm-hmm. the TikTok thing, but my kids keep saying to do it, but I don't know. I don't know if I ever will. Um, if you're interested in commissioning an icon, um, I'm at, I, you know, I, I'd love to work with you on something like that. Just um, send me a message through the form on my website. Also, um, if you are in need of any sort of like I do, I do graphic design and stuff too I've done logos for churches um, I've done a ton of branding and other design for the orthodox media company that I do work for so that sort of thing if you're interested in that um, there's also a form you can send me uh, a request for information on that um, yeah and then just subscribe on my youtube and keep your ear open for that podcast which should be coming out after the first of the year and any more of the um, tutorial videos that I've been doing as well. If you have any questions about iconography specifically, you can email me via my website as well, or on any of my social media as well. So, We do have one uh, question here. What does his shirt say? Uh, it's just a band I like. It's a band called Emperor. It's a metal Emperor. band I love. Okay. Yeah. I like uh, uh, this, this causes pearl clutching among many, but I'm, I've, 
I've been super into metal for 35 years. So I like all different kinds of metal. That's all. That's all I'll say. If, if you're into metal, you know who Emperor is. So. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Shane. This has been an uh, uh, awesome, awesome episode. So uh, that will be it for the, for the day. So thank you, everybody who's watching. And we'll see you all next time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yep.